0: His reaction is not one of, of, okay, now let's oppress these people who are doing it. It's just the opposite. Mm. Let's, let's now bring them into society. Let's then make them a part of society like anybody else.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, and it's just like, you know, he, he, he signs the Concordat act because he realizes he has to bring back the Catholic Church because he realizes that a um, great many people, particularly in the provinces and the poor, are very attached to the Catholic Church, uh, particularly to its rituals, its habits, and this and that. And somewhere he is as well. He's got a sort of vague inkling, you know, he loves the sound of church bells. And at various critical moments, he makes the sign of the cross furtively. So, you know, he's got it somewhere in his bones as well. So he thinks, that, but also... He realizes that religion, the faith, is important because, as he points out, and I'm quoting from memory, he says you have to have um, the faith in God because otherwise, how can you possibly explain, control the masses if you can't explain to the man who is starving? and watches another man gorging himself, the, the starving man will get his reward in heaven. That's the only way. It's social control. So he brings back the Catholic Church, but controls it rigidly and, uh, and tries, and, and indeed then gets into a frightful mess with the Pope and, and um, makes a, uh, um, you know, again, gets, gets, it, gets it terribly wrong and makes um, and, and offends a whole lot of public opinion, and, and again, which helps uh, to alienate people from him. Uh, but his idea is pragmatic, um, rational. Right? We've got we've got to bring these these people back. And with the Jews, it, it was about that. Uh, he doesn't like the idea of them being in a self-contained group particularly in a border area That's
0: dangerous for uh, is is that a, is that's a danger a fifth column a
1: aberration to what he yeah The pressure no. that he wants and yes which is which is a perfectly logical assumption because um you know they they're not going to why should they fight to the death for the french republic if suddenly a whole lot of um, um imperial troops come across the border because you know so and and most states have, who've had have been in that position have always um uh, realized that that um for perfectly understandable reasons um a a a community which is living which is a sort of world within a world um is um will serve one master as happily as they'll serve the other master, because after all, why should they serve, you know, why should they die for one master and not for the other? Um, So he feels that that's not a good idea. So he tries to, so he has this idea that they should be dispersed around the empire, which of course doesn't work because um, uh, they need to be in communities. Um, so then he, he, he calls the grand Sanhedrin to, to, um, uh, sort things out and, um, you know, the decrees of 1808 with the, um, with the, what's it called? The ignoble one or the, um, um, the intolerable one, depending on the nomenclature, you know, it's all about the infamous one. That's right, the infamous one. It, it's all about um, uh, controlling um, people, um, and, you know, it's the same way that the Prussians, when, you know, gave gave surnames to all the Jews they inherited when, when they, you know, at the partition of Poland. Um, uh, the fact that they, they tried to give them the most ridiculous names they could, is not fair, but, you know, it, it's all in the, in the idea of rationalization and control and taxation, obviously. Um, and, and so, uh, but there was never any, and I think this differentiates him from, uh, I would say, in... in, in Uh, radical ways from the French later developing tradition of French anti-Semitism which is very much um, uh, about the Jewish blood getting into the body of um, French society and particularly the French army and all that kind of thing. Um, And there's no trace of that in Napoleon. Um, But
0: his actions couldn't prevent did not prevent what happened later after after his, his reign. In other words, had had he had his policies been implemented fully, would have had that anti-Semitism that came up later
1: on. Yes, possibly. I mean, it, it's difficult to tell because, um, you know, I, I suppose. I suppose his idea was that um, these people would, these people who he couldn't understand why they had to dress differently and eat Mm -hmm. different things and all that kind of thing. Um, I mean, as as an NB, I mean, on the question of diet, it's very interesting because he was aware of... He was an extraordinary man because he he picked up things. He was always interested in in, um, what you might think of as arcane details, but which were important. For instance, what he discovered early on when he started using um, non-French troops was that people of various regions and certainly various countries Um, were used to different diets. And they had been eating the same diet. You know, there wasn't the corner shop with the Chinese takeaway in those days. Um, People ate the same thing day in, day out for millennia. I mean, certainly for centuries. And the French, when they didn't have white bread and a bit of... Um wine or eau de vie uh they died on campaign okay. uh, whatever else you gave them they went oh no. um, and he, so he implemented um, in his quartermaster's thing this very very strict thing so if a Portuguese unit was marching through France, all the attendants in the towns they would they would have to pause in were given instructions and they'd look up in their booklet and say ah the portuguese they need olive oil they need beans and so on if it was a polish unit um they had to have some meat uh, and they had to have some um not wine, but some spirits, and so on. So he was very aware of these things. <clears throat> but I suppose he, he thought that by his decrees, he would gradually turn the Jews into Frenchmen who would go to synagogue at the Shabbos and, and leave it at that. Um, but that they would eventually learn to dress like Frenchmen and speak French and um, behave like Frenchmen and, um, and so on. So, um, well, the consequence, you know, he very often didn't think of the consequences. Uh, Napoleon was a curious, curious person. And, um, I want to use the term not pejoratively, but he had many of the attributes of a psychopath. And a psychopath doesn't necessarily mean, you know, there are benign psychopaths, but it's, you know, the the definition of a psychopath is a person who has um, certainly half a dozen or about um, up to 10 characteristics. And one of the, um, And he had several of the ones. Psychopaths are manipulative, Mm he was manipulative, and so on. Um, But psychopaths also are very short-sighted. They're tremendously clever at at resolving problems um, and dealing with the situation. And they don't have tend to have a long-term view. And Napoleon was, when you actually study his even his military um, career, he was absolutely brilliant as a tactician. So he would see a situation develop, he'd see that the Austrians had done this, Mm -hmm. and he'd immediately spot the opportunity to destroy them. But he, he didn't usually... Um, and Austerlitz is one exception where he actually almost designs the battlefield and plans the whole thing from beginning to end. But usually he didn't think beyond that and he was an absolutely lousy strategist. Mm -hmm. And that's why his whole scheme came apart because he kept changing alliances, changing treaties, moving frontiers, um he he, he didn 't see where where the he didn 't see the consequences of many of his actions he, he, even, um, even though he had a
0: grand, even though he had a grand vision of things even though his vision was grand was universal
1: It was very grand, but it was quite vague um, and the the way, the means to carry out the vision, you know, I did not think there was an an absolute final um, goal of his. He kept changing, the, you know, the, and instead of you know, one minute he he um, you know he puts one brother on one throne, and then he takes him off and puts it on another throne, and then. <clears throat> He, you know, he puts um, Jerome in Westphalia and every few months he changes the shape of Westphalia, you know, because he adds a prom- one province to France and another one to whatever. And he, this, he does the same in Holland. He does the same in Spain. Um, <clears throat> so the, the, the original vision of uh, creating um, a Dutch State, which is a, uh, a satellite kingdom of France, is undermined by his continual changes because he changes his mind and then he incorporates the whole thing into the French Empire, uh, which wasn't his original idea. Um, and he didn't have, a, at any moment, a vision of transforming the whole of Europe into a French Empire. Uh, so he. he <clears throat> He played things by ear, um, but you know you you can't do that. And I, I think that he probably never stopped to think through exactly what, how the his uh, handling of the Jewish question, or however he saw it, um, where it was going to go, and how it was going to end up. Also, he an, another characteristic of, of of the psychopath is the um, inability, and that's something that the French writer, Madame de Stael, noticed in him. He had the complete um, absence of the um, ability um, of empathy. So he could never put himself, he could never see things from another's point of view. And this is why all his treaties were unacceptable to the other side. He couldn't see that you can't push people into a corner because they, you would force them to fight back. Um, and so he, he, he couldn't understand if people didn't think like him um, then he thought they were, they were wrong. <laughs> let, 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 me, let me conclude
0: with, with, with this question. Um, Jew, Jewish tradition tells the story that Napoleon was once walking past the synagogue and he saw a group of congregants um, wailing and crying and sitting on the ground. And he asked them, why are you doing this? And they said, well, our, our temple in Jerusalem was destroyed thousands of years ago and we're mourning for that. And it's again, according to Jewish tradition, Napoleon said, a people who does that is the people that will be eternal and last forever is that something that fits into your paradigm of of whether it's true or
1: not true does that fit into your paradigm of napoleon um well yes because he um you know i, I, I have no idea whether that's true or not i've certainly not not come across any corroboration but he was fond of making grand statements of this kind um particularly with um it's, it's you no know, it's very very possible because you know for instance in egypt you would love to go and see the the mullahs and sort of make great statements Saying your prophet is, you know, the greatest prophet, and your god is the greatest, and so on and so forth, and then making sort of rather obscure, cryptic um, comments that that, um, thought he thought were um, fitting to the occasion, and he was he was good at he was you know he was manipulative, and he was good at at um suddenly you know tweaking somebody and seducing them and this was part of his power as well with the army you know he he could walk up to um to a disgruntled soldier or something and just say something that that would completely you know bind that soldier to him for life and death um so it's, it's, it's very possible that he did. Uh, certainly, it's okay. not, not uncharacteristic. Okay.
0: Well, thank you very, very much. Um, this has been a uh, spirited and enlightening um, uh, discussion, talk, and uh, we appreciate it very much. Thank,
1: thank you. Well, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure for me. And, um, and uh, my best wishes to you and all your. Listeners.